सेंटी नहीं होना राइट गोल्डन ग्लव्स बॉक्सिंग चैम्पियन आर रियली वन नो वट दैट्स लाइक एंड आई मीन इन टर्म्स ऑफ लाइक a boxing camp right not just professionally but one of the highest levels in the world i mean you've not only been in it but you've thrived in it right. uh was that really the toughest experience of your life um some of those fights were the training was insane i mean our average training was uh our coach had told us or told me at least that we had i had to run 30 miles a week that was just average <sighs> and we trained 6 days a week and this meal that like it, we'd start with a 3 mile run as a warm up then we go to the bags bags for like good 45 minute circuit so we'd have uppercut heavy bags speed bag double end then we'd go either to a conditioning cycle or to a spar like a thing a lifting cycle yeah. which was alternate days usually mm-hmm. and then we'd spar then wow. <laughs> sparring pissed it out if you had a fight coming up you know coach would throw you in like if if you if you're preparing for like a 3 to 4 Five, uh, three, three, four round fight. You'd have to be prepared for you know six to eight. And wow. That, that's at, that, at least that's the way Eric saw it. Yeah. And this meal that like every round fresh guy, every round you had a fresh oh, okay. guy. Okay. No out. easy rounds. Yeah, no easy rounds. You were the easy round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And <clears throat> the way it was with our team, we didn't have too many uh, lightweights. So there was uh, me. Uh, there's Frank Cancino. He's 132, and then there was uh, Rory Sol. He was 119 at bantamweight, so I used to fight at featherweight and uh, lightweight. Yeah, and you know a lot of times those guys wouldn't be in, so I'd end up fighting middleweights and heavyweights. Whoa! I mean, this made like Nuxan. You know, that's like yeah, I couldn't really keep up with. I mean, the speed wasn't really matched, obviously, because I was faster. How like I wasn't yeah. really a fast fighter. Yeah, my advantage because when I used to wrestle back in high school. I used to wrestle at 160 and 170 so I was stronger than oh. guys my weight but I yeah. definitely wasn't as fast. All right. But with those guys it was you know I my speed was up but you know I'd go in and out in and out and I had like two concussions with those guys. Oh my god. I mean an uppercut to the uppercut right to the chin with a middleweight and yeah. overhand right from a heavyweight. We had this uh our heavyweight was this 18-year-old kid who's like 6 foot 1 Puerto Rican guy called Mike Pretty Muscle. Wow. <laughs> and Let's go out there. He just stand there. I mean, he take all your shots, body shot, head shot, boom, boom, boom. He just he's just standing there like a freaking robot. Yeah. And then he just go <laughs> like unloading completely. Yeah. And that's that. That was dangerous. Just just in bursts, he would explode. Yeah. I mean, he he'd go like a six seven punch combination, and wow. they're all freaking power shots, man. Yeah. So training with those guys, I mean, the advantage was that you know getting hit by guys that big. Yeah. Guys, my weight wouldn't do jack shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like hard body. these shots hard shots to the head they yeah. wouldn't do jack like after fighting those guys i'd imagine but um championship fights i mean some of them like some of them were actually a breeze i mean getting to not the championships fights but you know the preliminaries at least yeah those were some with some whatever breeze because you had just about everyone fighting at you in chicago okay but when you got to the semis and the when the quarters and the semis that's yeah. when it really got tough yeah. i mean uh my state championship fight i remember uh the fight before my state championship fight um the way it works with USA boxing if you have under 8 fights so there's there's three categories yeah. so there's novice there's senior novice and then there's open mm-hmm. so novice is basically under 8 fights under 21 years okay senior novice is over uh, under 8 fights over 21 years and okay. then after 8 you're just open so it could be 100 fights and you're still open wow so uh that particular time um like before state championships i remember uh we we went for like a prelim and <laughs> there, there's this guy uh I can't remember the kid's name, man. 
But he had like a good 21, 22 fights and he's a national champ. He, he actually qualified for the national golden gloves as well. Oh. Didn't make it, but he qualified. Yeah. But um, once you fight an open fighter, mm-hmm. you have to go open regardless mm-hmm. of how many fights you have. Mm-hmm. So that particular, uh, that particular bout, I, I was at like four or five fights by that time. And as completely amped for the fight and i find out nobody's there in my division ah. except for him yeah so i was like you know my coach comes up to me he's like do you want to fight him i was like yeah you know i'm here to fight of <laughs> yeah, course he's like, but you're gonna have to go open right after this so it doesn't matter if the guy's got 20 fights afterward mm, no no i was like okay that's a little you know that's a little <laughs> dicey but yeah yeah i mean dude beat the crap out of me i swear to god man i mean yeah i think i landed maybe like two shots on him clean in one round and he smiled right back like oh dude. my god <laughs> but, um yeah this uh is exhilarating man. how does it feel during a fight when an opponent's just smiling back at you very that's fucking intimidating uh-huh. <laughs> very demoralizing yeah like i gave you my best shot man yeah. that's the only one i land and you're smiling <laughs> no in a lot of situations like you're able to fake emotion right you know even yeah. if you're not yeah. feeling um you know like even if you're feeling really messed up you can still like you know crack. Ah, yeah smile. exactly but I mean, is that really possible when you're in the in the in the ring or the only time that you can actually um smile at somebody is if you're either a sociopath or you're just not hurt i mean i guess it depends because i mean a lot of times i've done the same you know i'll get there's this one time um state championships the second time around i was fighting this guy uh pierre jackson uh-huh. puerto rican kid right. and he hit me with a nasty liver shot and i could uh. barely fucking breathe and i gave him a big fat smile right <laughs> <after> <laughs> and he could he could tell i was faking it yeah. but at the same time i'm sure it kind of you know played with his head a little bit thinking yeah. you know maybe not yeah but yeah I guess, i guess it's just a matter you know a, a game of nerves at that point yeah i mean some guys can pull it off some guys can you know sometimes yeah. it's really evident Yeah, I mean, I I read about um, your field of expertise, so to speak, kinesiology. Um, and for dumbasses like me who have no idea what kinesiology is, and I had to look it up. From what I understand, it means the study of body movements, body mechanics, right? Right. Exactly. What got you into wanting to study how the human body essentially? Well, moves? <coughs> um, I got into sports when I was like in my teens. So uh, I was just telling him earlier, in fact. I played American football for one season. It was too small, so that didn't really work out. Right. And that's around the time that I got my ass kicked in high school. Mm. And I started wrestling. Yeah. <clears throat> so wrestling was, you know, that was my calling. Like, I knew contact sports. I was made for it. Right. Uh, so, I mean, up until that point, I pr- I wanted to go into law school. But, you know, then around that time, I was like, okay, you know, biological sciences, they seem pretty interesting. Yeah. But uh, so I was basically pre-med. <clears throat> I wanted to go to med school. Uh, one of my mentors, he was um, ticket the, the official physician for the Florida Falcons. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the lifestyle that that guy had, it was just amazing. You know, I mean, earning like three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand dollars a year. Nice. You know, I had tickets to all the games. <laughs> he was you know messing around with cheerleaders all year. Yeah. And you know, living a good life. Yeah. <clears throat> so you know, my deal was if I want to go to med school, I don't want to work in a hospital, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to deal with athletes. Yeah. So. Around 18 was when I got my first certification for personal training. Right. And I started working around then as um, Bally's Total Fitness was right where I started. And uh, so, I mean, that, that was basically the path. So kinesiology was just, you know, a, a lead up to medicine for me. Right. So, I mean, I never meant to went to med school because we ended up moving back to Pakistan. My, mm-hmm. you know, folks are old, so they wanted to retire back home. So, yeah. this, you know, home is where the family is. Yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, so that's basically where it came down to. Did it help you during your fighting career to 
also have studied absolutely absolutely body movement yeah because especially since you told me you're sparring like guys heavier than you then yeah. i guess you need every advantage that yeah, you you possibly every, get. i mean not for the sake of sparring and fighting so much because that kind of you know, it turns into a whole different ball game yeah but as far as conditioning yourself and being ready for the fight you know in preparation uh, yeah. you know knowing what to eat knowing how to recover yeah you know, knowing how to you know go into hard training but still not have it you know yeah. take too much of a toll on you mm -hmm. yeah in that regard it definitely helps I yeah mean, it was like a lot of the stuff that i was reading or studying i was applying to myself most of the time yeah and at the same time because i was working part-time as a trainer yeah and it was always applicable so that that's that, that's what the beauty of it was yeah like that's what really fascinated me it's not like i mean you you study econ or you know mathematics it's like you know books i mean you know, the books tell you what to do and you're doing it on paper yeah but you're not really applying it yeah you know? sure. i mean i stick to like people think you know when the fuck did we ever use algebra <laughs> right? but dude but, i'm an econ major and i don't think i'm ever going to use the shit i'm studying right there you now go. it's exactly. bullshit yeah <laughs> i'll say it right now it's bullshit my degree is bullshit like i've studied for four years now five Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I've studied for five years now. And the only thing I've gathered is that this is all based on theoretical bases that are just either, you know, easily falsifiable or just untrue. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Abundant with fallacies. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's what really, you know, kind of fascinated me with it. Get anything I study, it's applicable and, you know, it directly makes an you know has an influence on what i'm doing yeah so yeah i mean it's still fascinating i mean there's so much to learn in the field yeah you know, the fitness industry you know it's growing so rapidly all around the world mm -hmm. i mean not just a matter of aesthetics and you know uh, the way you look yeah but the way you're functioning one of the first things that my coach told me is like you know it, it doesn't matter for shit how you look yeah it's all about how you feel oh, yeah. and if you feel right you're probably gonna look right andy well. ruiz jr brother i mean <laughs> what the hell was that uh -huh. andy ruiz jr andy ruiz jr like, exactly yeah I mean, butterbean yeah butterbean <laughs> oh shit yeah butterbean <laughs> but i mean i read an article that was uh somebody interviewed you i think a few years ago i think it was the nation um and um it basically tracked your uh credentials and what you've done over the course of, you know, like a few years of coming back to Pakistan. Mm -hmm. But then also I remember reading some interesting uh, remarks about the fitness industry, but this was way back. Yeah. So back then I remember it was written that you think the industry is still picking up mm -hmm. and that there's not a lot of certified instructors and not a lot of people who know their shit. Right. Um, do you still feel the same? To, cer to a certain extent, yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, Abibi was a concept Pakistan and then I yeah. So any Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know, who's been lifting or looks good, has abs, you know, yeah. he qualifies himself as a trainer. There we go. And, you know, quite frankly, it's a little ridiculing the people who've actually had the yeah. education and, you know, the qualifications to get there. Yeah. Because, I, was, I mean, I was talking to a friend the other day. I saw uh, one of the trainers, a trainer that I was working with, not going to name anybody, but he's making him, he's making his clients do ab rollouts. Again. All right. Now, ab rollouts, it's, they're, they're basic exercise, mm -hmm. again, but there's a certain way to do it, of course, because when you extend out, yeah. your lower back gets hyperextended. Right. And that could completely break your back if Absolutely you're not doing it right. Back, yeah. And I see these guys, like two or three of them doing them, and all the guys saying is, now, I'm not the kind of person who really intervenes when, yeah. you know, another trainer's in, you know, at work. It's the cool. But yeah. nah, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, I don't want to yeah. embarrass the guy telling yeah. him that I know better. Yeah. But I couldn't help myself that particular time. As soon as the guy left, I was like, guys, come here. 
man, you got to hump your back, do this a certain way. Yeah. And when he comes back, he's like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I stuck it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you know, you got to kind of, you know, tell him how to do it better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think you gave his name away there, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, I mean, there is, there does seem to be a trend. Uh, at least this is how, and I, I don't want to call it a trend, but this is how the fitness culture was kind of, introduced to the country initially right at least that yeah. i can predate it mm-hmm. um it was based on of course losing weight uh looking good yeah. and it was based on all these things which are just quick and efficient you know right, what i mean right. like it's like here's a 42 day challenge and after that you're just gonna be like good you know exactly. what exactly I, mean? i mean see the thing is people uh people apply things to themselves and they work yeah okay, but that doesn't mean they're gonna work for everybody else that's true i mean if you got if you have a guy with you know thyroid issues really or, or a woman who has hormonal issues you know you can put her on as many calorie deficit diets as you want it's mm-hmm. not gonna work for her yeah and there's certain nutritional changes that you need to make to yeah. actually cater to that particular person yeah and you know like 42 day challenge for example you know i mean a lot of people lose weight they yeah. put them on like low carb diets yeah. i take it you're like you know 500 600 calorie deficit you're obviously going to lose weight yeah know? but once you stop you're done you're, you're back to square one mm-hmm. and you know as long as they're doing that they feel great and then people client ka mindset ban jata hai ki yaar nahi jitni deer mein wo kar raha tha na main theek tha yeah but you know it's like it, it, it's more a matter of changing your lifestyle yeah i mean i've got this uh, friend called sabagul hasan i love the way she thinks she's a nutritionist and she says you know i don't tell my clients i don't tell my uh, tell all these people and friends to you know write up diets and go meticulously one for one yeah. right i tell them to change their habits if you have if your pantry is full of you know wheat bread and fruits and whatnot that's what you're going to choose yeah, from exactly. if you're stocking up with candy and chocolates and white bread and brocoli yeah. you know that's basically what you're going to choose from yeah, as well exactly. so i mean if you change your habits it it automatically becomes you know yeah. a lifestyle even like uh, a jelly bean looking motherfucker like myself you know what i mean knows <laughs> and go that far <laughs> <laughs> even i understand that you can't you know apply every single like you can't do what Schwarzenegger did you know what i mean he exactly. has you have he has a very specific body type you have mm. a very specific body type right. you your body has needs that his body doesn't and vice versa right. you know what i mean but i guess the marketability and just the just the application of saying you know you have to look better right and this is how you can do it mm. i feel like that's probably one of the biggest problems in the fitness industry because people are so focused on wanting to look better of course right. this stems to like broader issues and like other kind of problems such as you know body standards mm-hmm. and all of that and how they've been enforced in us and now it's just pretty much people capitalizing on it because right. sex sells essentially yeah, exactly. you know what i mean That's what uh, but to. how do you change that how do you start telling people that you know it's not really about how you look but it's honestly about how you feel and how your body's working and how healthier you are i mean see there's there's some basic guidelines of with uh, of the certain things that you can do to you know lose weight be healthier and whatnot but like i said it's so diverse that you can't really apply it to everyone yeah. now i mean for example i'll get i'll get a guy who comes in who says he wants to gain weight mm-hmm. right now he might be scrawny and according to most people you know they eat a lot but yeah. you know most 9 out of 10 times when a guy tells me he eats a lot he doesn't eat jack shit mm-hmm. right so i might put that guy on like a 3000 calorie diet and still not still might not work for him yeah but the idea i mean what what people don't really understand is get 
it's not so much about what the weight skill says, it's about your composition. Like I will still have trouble coming across a trainer who asks his client to get a composition test done. Right. You weigh so-and-so, this is what your inches look like. Okay, this is your diet, this is your training. No, dude, you don't know mm. what's going on inside. Right. I mean, looking good is only a reflection of being good is the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, if your composition, I mean, when I, when I, when I, when I, when I launched that boot camp, yeah. because the reason I call the brand equilibrium is because that's basically my philosophy of fitness. Huh. It's all about striking the perfect balance. You know, uh -huh. you have to have optimized muscle, minimal, minimal fat, and you know, the rest of it just comes alongside. So, I mean, if you have a guy like with a skinny, uh, skinny fat, but I call it something, yeah. you know, you'll see a lot of girls who eat like horses, yeah. But they don't look anything like yeah. it. You know? but, <laughs> yeah. but their insides are all fucked up. You know, they got all kinds of visceral fat lining, lining up their organs and shit. Oh. Right. So if you don't know what, what your composition is like, it's not going to reflect on your body as well yeah. either. And, you know, I think it's just that particular mindset where you have to kind of explain to them that it's composition, not appearance alone. Hmm. You know, if the composition changes, the appearance yeah. automatically will. Do you recommend any tests of? to find out your body composition essentially yeah there's a bunch of things i mean not all of them are very accurate uh -huh. but i mean obviously the more expensive equipment that you get across you're probably going to have more accuracy with that right like belly uh, there's those little you know hand holding tests and yeah, you, know, yeah. you stand on a little scale mm -hmm. and you know it kind of measures your body fat there um then there's you know calipers that you can use for uh, at least body fat alone right yeah. and then uh there's uh there's three 3d body scanners uh -huh. a, a couple of gyms have them yeah with dust locker picking machine and oh so not everybody not everybody invests in that but then they charge accordingly i mean yeah right this will give you your lean muscle mass uh, your body fat your bmr which again bmr <laughs> you know a lot of people don't even know what bmr is right which is actually appalling to me they confuse it with BMI. BMI is your uh, body mass index, index which, doesn't, yeah. which, which doesn't tell you jack shit. I mean, The Rock and Adnan Sami Khan could, or Enzo could have the same damn BMI. <laughs> <laughs> For real? No, seriously. It's, it's basically height to weight ratio, no? Oh, That's wow. all it is. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you, you might be 240 pounds, six foot four, and your BMI is going to be the same, You're irrespective great, yeah. of how much fat you have on your muscle, right? Wow. BMR, on the other hand, is your basal metabolic rate. Mm. What you're consuming and what you're burning as you know a, a daily activity like without doing anything no exercise or whatever you know right. just your regular day yeah. that's how much you burn right. so for instance like a teenager might be burning like 2200 calories a day hmm. you know somebody in their 30s might be burning 15 yeah right so if you're going to calculate what kind of a deficit that particular person needs you need to know that figure right, right. and that test is required for it right and you know uh, a lot of these a lot of these pieces of equipment like these 3d body scanners and stuff they, they acquire that I mean they, they obtain that yeah so I mean first thing I tell somebody even if they're ready to start that same day I'm like all right I'm not gonna write you a diet I'm not gonna write you a training routine until you get this done yeah. when I know these figures then I know what, what I'm dealing with you could you know you could look great but as far as I'm concerned you could be totally fucked up on the inside yeah so I mean if trainers and you know professionals can actually get around to understanding yeah the importance of composition yeah i think that that in itself would make a, you know a, a decent stride and obviously like it's unfortunate that a lot of people are kind of sold into this idea of you know we have to look a certain way so we're going to try to work out and get to it. i mean there's nothing wrong in trying to meet your goals right mm -hmm. but um just to kind of be guilted into it sometimes is kind of bad but i think essentially if you're going to an expert in any field right if you go to a doctor right, right you expect the doctor to tell you exactly how you should go about something right with his professional expertise being mm -hmm. kept in you know 
a mind while he's giving you that advice. Of course. The why doesn't the same standard apply to fitness trainers? Because there's a lot of fitness trainers here who quite frankly uh shouldn't be getting to call themselves fitness trainer or health professionals or anything for that matter. Right. But it's easy to do that now. All you have to do is put it in your Instagram bio. You know exactly. what I mean? And That's there's no there's no culture of trying to find out whether a certif- a trainer is certified or even legit or even whether what their methods are whatever right right i mean i think that's more a prevalent problem in pakistan than anywhere else uh-huh. because i mean like i said i got my certification from uh, issa back in like 2005 mm. again and even then like i went to the gym where i was training and i was like you know i want to start training i want i want to work they're like where's your certification what have you done that's yeah. the first question you'll be asked oh. again i mean i like it, the certifications like when i got mine done back in 2005 i probably knew like 60% of it on my own because i was yeah. self educated yeah. like it's not to say that it's just the certification that sets you apart yeah. but there has to be a certain line limit of understanding it's just a concept scan mm-hmm. you know does he know basic human anatomy yeah. does he know you know basic biological science does he know nutrition fundamentals you know some people just i mean apart from macros they don't know jack shit yeah they get calorie deficit up could say weight lose can make it surplus gain can make it ha that's basic you know what else do you know yeah. so over here there's no criteria of really determining what you know what a person knows yeah. i mean if you look good you trained a couple of guys I, i might get lucky training a couple of guys you know not knowing what i'm doing because mm-hmm. it worked Yeah. You know, okay, I take it, you know, I I made you run like, you know, five miles a day, six days a week. Yeah, you're going to lose weight, obviously. Sure. Yeah. You know, I put you in a little bit of a deficit. Yeah, it's going to work. But what if the circumstances were different? Then you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and that's that's gradually changing in Pakistan. And I'm glad. Yeah. So coming back to your question, you know, how, is that still the opinion? it's somewhat but you know i'll see more and more guys now certified you know i know a couple of guys you know in uh like in the places that i've been working in recently who you know have an issa certification and an asm certification mm-hmm. you know so again some of those certifications are very basic but at the same time some of them aren't like nasm the national academy of sports medicine yeah. that's a really in-depth certification mm-hmm. i mean a lot of that material is used in msc courses in the states oh, wow. <laughs> right so i mean if you've done that i would reckon you have somewhat of a decent base to actually go ahead yeah. and you know that's book knowledge though then you have to apply it apply, right yeah. so i mean i can't be charging mm-hmm. you like you know 2500 bucks an hour if i've trained two students with one certification yeah. right <clears throat> so i mean that's the thing though people do that Yeah. I mean I've seen guys who who've tried to charge like you know 3-4000 uh, rupees an hour. Wow. It's like no dude you're not qualified to do that. <laughs> you you know? shouldn't be allowed to do yeah. that. Yeah. And the same goes for like uh, combat sports. You know a guy takes like six months of MMA, six months of boxing and he's automatically qualified to you know teach, teach people. Yeah. I mean how you could teach a guy how to throw a jab and a cross or you know slip here and there but yeah. you know then there's a lot more required to yeah, it. There's... I mean there's so many guys who are teaching you know martial arts as if you know they've been doing it themselves and you you step them into a ring and it's <laughs> laughable. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely laughable. Yeah. And you're spearheading the uh fitness and the boxing uh programs at Brave 
at Brave, the Brave yes. FC gym that's right. opening up. For context, Brave FC is uh, one of the biggest MMA promotions in the world. Right. They had their uh, MMA, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, they had their uh, MMA event here in Pakistan, a, de- a debut event, I believe. It right, was last year. year. Yeah, year around about a year ago. Right. Um, and now they've opened a gym, right? right? So before we get into, and I really want to get into, you know, how you're going to be going about conducting both of these fitness and boxing programs, mm-hmm. I just want to know, um, what is brave and consequently even the UFC opening gyms in Pakistan indicate to you as somebody who's been so deep into combat sports for yeah. so long? I mean, it's combat sports in Pakistan are definitely in an incubation phase. I yeah. Mean, these last six, seven years, as we've seen, you know, it's, it's, it's rapidly grown. Yeah. Um, the UFC gym, to be honest, I mean, I don't understand what their whole format is mm-hmm. because one, it's all the way in freaking Valencia. Yeah. <laughs> have fun with that. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, you know, everybody knows a fighter isn't somebody, you know, a dedicated fighter isn't somebody who comes from, you know, like a well, uh, a well-off background. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot. They've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Most of them. Right. Most of them. So yeah. if you're going to charge 10 lakh for a fucking membership. I, Do I, they? I, yeah, it's 10 lakh. Holy we started off with shit. five and now it's up to 10. So, I mean, their, their facility is absolutely kick ass. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. They've got a freaking octagon, you know, they've got a ring, mm. a a ton of bags, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a swimming pool and, you know, all kinds of equipment. It's like a mini performance institute the uh-huh. one they have in Vegas. Yeah. But, but, the, but the, the format that they've kind of followed is more country clubbish. So, I mean, uh-huh. they've got a theater and a restaurant, so they're kind of highlighting it as uh, a community, not a gym. Right. So, uh-huh. I mean, some people just could keep, you know, gym khana mein weight lamba lagawa hai, yeah, Royal Palm ki cheese afford nahi kar sakta, you know, ha, he'll go for a 10 lakh membership for the UFC gym. Oh, but, man. <laughs> I mean, they, they've got some foreign trainers coming in from what i saw in their videos which is that great. breaks my heart man uh, which is great but you know <laughs> but uh as far as brave is concerned i mean you know the the fee structure is very nominal it's yeah. you know competitive with you know upkey regular to stream shapes and structures to get a gym and to get how to get the facility is much better like i said it's ten thousand square feet 22 by 22 pro size ring Holy a shit. separate studio like a good 10 to 12 marlas for crossfit alone you know techno gym beside equipment like it's like wow. it's top notch i mean and like i said it's it's one of the only facilities if not the only which you know follows like a warehouse pattern yeah you know like from wow. Fort Kichate. yeah and you know sauna and whatnot and it's right, right in the middle of packages mall yeah, so right if you're bored just go shops and come back <laughs> right in between rounds yeah, yeah. exactly i mean even that i mean and it's so central that gulberg sa could be spinner putting perfect but you know for what they're doing what we're doing with brave basically you know omar has you know props to him man he's taken a great initiative and you know there's going to be like one of the problems that I have, is particularly with boxing, I mean, MMA is a little bit behind. I like fight nights for you to FBN. There's you know a bunch of little promotions that have risen up in the last couple of years, but these guys are not only promoting MMA on a professional uh, get platform, but they're looking really looking into boxing as well. Nice. So uh, John Gisab, who's uh, the owner of Green Hill. He is absolutely passionate about boxing. And, you know, one of his complaints the other day when we had a meeting with him was, he's like, I, pro- I provide equipment to all over the world, right? He, he provided equipment to the Beijing Olympics, the Rio Olympics, the, the London Olympics. And it's like, every time I go there, people tell me, yeah, your equipment's kick-ass, but, you know, where are your athletes? Yeah. You know, where are they? I never wow. see the Pakistani flag raised at one of these events. So he's more of a philanthropist. And, you know, through Brave, what he wants to do is, you know, start... 
an amateur promotion and then a, a professional promotion as well. And he wants to breed these fighters so he can actually take them abroad with greater opportunities. Like, boxing in Pakistan, you know, I hope the Federation doesn't you know, hate me on this, but it's, it's a fact. They completely sideline you know, the efforts of the fighter. Like I remember a couple of years ago for the Commonwealth Games, yeah, fighters go as a pre-fight meal. But what did they do? Chai pakore. Fucking chai pakore. Before a fight. And, you know, these are guys who are probably going to be fighting maybe multiple times a day. You know, one six-minute fight takes the shit out of you. Literally. If you had a chai pakore. Yeah, chai pakore. What did they do? They took a basin and they took a half a drink. Oh, my God. That's horrible. So, I mean, and what did they do? There's just another, another event. I don't know if it was the Commonwealth, but you know, one, one of these competitions abroad. So they had the whole team ready. Everything was in check. And then it came down to funding. And the Federation goes, we don't have the money to send you. A good 70 to 80% of the fighters were of the opinion, you know what, we'll fund ourselves if we still want to go. But a battle of egos, the fuckers never let them want to go. They never, wow. fought. they never fought, even though they were willing to uh, support them in their own selves. So, I mean... For, uh, for boxing particularly, you know, I think this would be an incredible leap. I mean, yeah. we've, we've had little smokers and, you know, little fight nights and events. But, you know, for this, it would, you know, they're going to have, we're going to have like a proper team for boxing, a proper team for MMA, you know, both amateur and pro. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as, you know, these gyms opening up and UFC and Brave coming to Pakistan, I think it's a great leap. I mean, it's yeah massive opportunity for yeah. all kinds of fighters. I mean, if you look at the state of boxing in Pakistan, first of all, I didn't know we had a commission. So that's great. Uh, I, I, and I'm, I'm supposed to cover this sport. <laughs> God, I'm supposed to know this stuff. I still have, didn't have any idea that we have actually have a commission. But yeah. that's good to know. Thanks for that. Uh, but then apart from that, um, if you think about it, like... The only two guys that I can think of that have reached like a, a level of success and fame that I can like name two Pakistani boxers off the top of my head who've made like the international stages, Amir Khan and then Wasim Khan. Mohammed Wasim. Mohammed Wasim, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys, again, I don't think they trained here. Amir Wasim is local. He's, okay. you know, he's a, if I'm not, he's a Balochi yeah. and Kortaka, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yep. And he's trained here a lot. And then, you know, he found better opportunities and went to TMT and yeah. trained with the Mayweathers. Right. But Ahmed is not a Pakistani. Yeah. He's not a fucking Pakistani. Yeah. He never trained here. He hasn't done jack shit for Pakistan. I mean, he did that Stink commercial. That was great. Stink Thanks, Amir. He, ma- he made money off <laughs> I of know, it. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was public service, man. <laughs> <laughs> that ad was everywhere. Yeah. And, and the, the, even that ad, when he came to our gym, you know what he did? That little bottle trick that he does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fake. What? It's absolute horse Can shit. Can you pull up the Amir Khan ball trick? <laughs> it's, a, it's absolute horse shit. So uh, they, they came for that commercial to Synergy, right? Because they needed a ring and they needed like a boxing gym or an MMA gym. So they come in there and everybody's got their cameras pulled out and they're looking at, you know, they're looking at whatever he's doing. And Igdam says, the videographer goes, you know, everybody put your cameras down. You, you can't you can't film this oh, like why man. because it's fake <laughs> so oh, basically he throws that freaking sting bottle in the air it falls right to the ground and then he goes bah, 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 bah. are you serious <laughs> I swear to God. This is, oh my god <laughs> but um <laughs> so coming back to like you know uh guys who have actually made it so yes muhammad the and i feel he's 
you know, not given the credit that he deserves. Like, yeah, the guys are freaking super lightweight. Uh, you know, I can't get the WBC champion. Yeah. And nobody recognizes uh-huh. that. Ahmed, on the other hand, you know, great fighter. He was, you know, a silver medalist Olympia. The, I'll give him all the credit too. But I think he just tried to overstep and got caught up with too much of domestic shit. I mean, you know, the whole Arizonian model and him jerking off on Skype. (laughs) I think his life has revolved more around that crap than it has around boxing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I remember the highlight of his career was... uh uh, him, him, and Faryal Makhdoom fell out, I think, or something like yeah. that. And then um, she said something about Anthony Joshua, and then Anthony Joshua retweeted. <laughs> I like my women thick. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. a BBW, yeah. my man. <laughs> and he was just like, "It wasn't me, man." <laughs> was, yeah, okay, let's check this out. Let's see how legit or not legit this is. I really want to see this. All right, there we go. Yes, that's absolute horseshit. Wow, that never Dude, happened. That breaks my heart. <laughs> that's that all that's available, by the way. I had so I had so many guys try doing that hottest butt. Yeah, he spent like a good twenty minutes in front of me. He's like, "I'm sure I can do this, bro. Yeah. I'm sure I can do this." Did you tell him like, "No, nobody can do this. This is just bullshit." That was before he came. Oh in. wow, it does look fake. Yo, wait, go back. Show, see how that bottle goes away right at the side. Wait, right, right there. Look at that. That's not how a bottle flips if you punch it in the air, dog. If especially if it's empty. Fan zero Khan one. That's that's right. That's for sure. Thank you, Sting. But yeah, <laughs> shit, dude. That's heartbreaking. And especially considering we have, we don't have a dearth of talent, sir. I don't d- think, absolutely not. I don't think I, that's true. Yeah, some of those kids in the Audi are insane. Yeah, I mean, those kids. Those kids grew up like you know, they're they're insane. Yeah, and if you just look at combat sports as a whole, a lot of these kids in Shaheen are crazy. Huh? Ah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like there's a. Uh, there's a lot of these kids. I, I got to call um, SFN, Sarai Fight Night. Yeah. I got to do commentary yeah. and ring announcing for it. Yeah. And um, the first fight of the night, I was kid side. It was the under 16s or under 15s. Mm. Under 15s. Mm. I remember because one of the kids was 13, one of them was 14. Right. And I was having a bit of a moral conflict there. I was like, these are kids. These kids can kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the, the first moral conflict <laughs> I had was. Dude, these are kids. What is they're gonna fight? And then when I yeah. saw them fight, I was like, you don't stay. <laughs> these aren't kids. Yeah, I was like, yo, we got no problems, man. <laughs> like, yo, it was a great fight. But these kids are like 13, 14. They're tearing it up. They have like records like 10 and 0. And these are all like uh, legit fights that they've uh, had. So that's like, we don't have a dearth of talent. We literally just have a dearth of, you know, opportunity, opportunity and existing structures that kind of help these kids get to the next exactly. level. And laying off of that, um, I want to know, like, Brave, the gym that it's opening, like, it's obviously going to want to try to make fighters, mm. right? It's not exactly just, you know... You it's can, not just commercial. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to come in, you're going to obviously train people who want right. to train. So right. the everyday person who wants to go and get their fitness uh, fix or whatever, they can do that, right? right, right. But you guys are also making a, a very consolidated effort to yeah, try to make fighters. It's, it's, it's actually one of the priorities for the brave management to have a proper fight team for all these sports. Like I said, so amateur and pro leagues for both MMA and boxing. That, that has to be the case. And, you know, they're really looking into that. I mean, it's not just about training the fighters there. It's about, you know, providing them opportunities, sponsoring them, sending them to international events. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all going to be there. Yeah. And that's the whole idea because, I mean, you have so many fighters who have, you know, just wasted their careers off. I mean, uh, with a lack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ifan Emmett, for, for example, now yeah. he's made it to one. And yeah. I'm so glad that he's made yeah, it to one because he's such a that kid. kid is such a hard worker. Yeah. He's such a hard yeah. worker. I mean, 
year in year out that kid is ready to freaking fight aap usko aaj ka ho gaya kal fight hai kya kare you know he's wow. he's ready to go and you know he's always in freaking ridiculous shape yeah. but these last couple of years it took him a while i mean he was fighting chickens you know yeah. i mean every time he'd go in the ring it was like you know really yeah, yeah. i i sbl ke sara scene hua again one of the reasons why i don't really like amir khan um <laughs> so so he invested in uh, cuz he's a part of sfl for uh, the international mma league right yeah Now S- SBL was supposed to be a branch off of SFL. Yeah. So the whole idea was, you know, make a pro league, pro league in Pakistan, you know, highlight the idea. And the problem they had with that was ke, uh, his understanding with the federation. Now the federation is associated with IBA, right? right? Now IBA is not affiliated with the WBC. Okay. So SBL was supposed to be affiliated with the WBC mm-hmm. and it wasn't just because of that little clash they were trying to work around that, but Amir didn't want to give any freaking money to the federation to provide their pool of fighters. So oh, the federation God. basically used kind of that that kind of used that as an excuse where you know they said ke IBA and WBC affiliation is a conflict, but that entire pool of fighters, okay? Some of these guys, you know, Hamza Bart, he's won, you know, uh, Punjab a number of times. Yeah. And you know, uh, a lot of these other guys, you know, they weren't allowed to fight because for them it was either stick with the federation and, you know, keep on doing what you're doing because you know because yeah. your organization so either they were going to be denied that or you know they could stick to it and you know not not have the opportunity to fight in SBL but SBL you had a bunch of garage boxers I mean you had wushu fighters coming into the ring you had kickboxers you had uh, taekwondo fighters coming into a boxing ring and you know so a lot of these kids were winning and it was such a shitty pool of talent because you know none of them were actually adequately trained uh. and you know, okay if on to watch it with if on competed at SBL so i basically took him like i had like six fighters that uh, qualified for their teams and if on to get now he had a few walkovers where you know yeah. it was just a, it was just a joke yeah. but some of the guys that he fought they were actually like you know veteran fighters who'd been fighting with the federation now yeah. they were trying he made a complete mockery out of those guys. Wow. Like he had his hands behind his back. He was doing little twirls. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's yeah, it. He's a bit of a showman, I've noticed. Ha, huh, and outside the ring, he's so he's humble. The most the he's nicest so guy. humble. Yeah. Huh? I mean, you'd never think this guy could tear your head apart with his yeah. bare hands. But he can. Huh, but he absolutely can. Yeah. I mean, Peleuska, you think his striking was so solid and his, you know, his uh, grappling wasn't all that good, but you know, he's been training with Jazzy and yeah. you know, he's been training with a guy. They've done him really good. Yeah. and you know now, now he's solid solid yeah. and uh, you know like i said ke, you know some of these guys like any takadim is going over yeah. the uh, kick it in the one series they're both saw. on the same card ah, they're yeah. both on the same card exactly, exactly and yeah. you know it, it's it's nice to see these guys have such opportunities but mm-hmm. you know i think even in his case it was a little too late yeah. i mean he's 22 23 i've i've seen the kid since he was like 19 just hungry to fight yeah. you know and with a, a few other fighters too i've seen you know when that hunger dies out you know you're kind of losing out on it i mean aapke bhai stay side aapke jo prime hoti hai usme you're not given the opportunity to kind of you know take it out or you know yeah. step into a cage or ring yeah. then it kind of dies out and i've seen that happen with a couple of fighters yeah. in, in the last years but you know it's a great thing that now they're offering opportunities for them to actually make it big and you know yeah. 
there's there's a good pathway to it. I've seen you work in the gym and I've seen you teach people. I've always been curious to ask you this, even when you were my coach, mm-hmm. but I was too afraid to ask you. I think I'll ask you now. <laughs> Why did you stop fighting? Why did I stop fighting? I was a med school student, <clears throat> so uh, even the last uh, championship that I had, the last time I fought, from, I fought at the gloves, my father was the only one who I told, but I took a whole semester off for college. Mm. My mom would have killed me if she found out. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't work hand in hand. I mean, I was doing well. I had a 16-4 and four record. Yeah. Uh, but med school was, you know, the promising way to go. Mm-hmm. And fighting's always a risk. I mean, you could get hurt. Your, your career yeah. could end in a day. Yeah. Not even a day, a moment. Yeah. Right. So for me, it was, you know, I didn't see myself. I mean, I wanted to go pro and, you know, take it further, of course. But when responsibility weighs in, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take the safer option in a sense. Yeah. So, I mean, coming back into boxing, like I started at Synergy as a volunteer. I wasn't wow. even getting paid for the first couple of months. And wow. I didn't ask him to pay me for the wow. first couple of months. It's just the love for boxing. But after a while, you know, when I kind of realized, you know, you know, I've seen that I was like, okay, you know, I can come back to my home, home ground. There we go. So, you know, coaching again, you know, I, I, it's rewarding. It's yeah. absolutely rewarding. I mean, you know, whether it's fitness training or whether it's boxing training, you know, you see somebody who you've just started from scratch and then you see him flourish as a fighter or as an athlete you know yeah. it's it's absolutely rewarding so the way i see it you know what i'm doing today is kind of like a rip off of what i really wanted to do okay. so med school working with with athletes at you know at, at the highest level yeah that was the dream but yeah. now it's you know maybe a little couple tears down yeah but i mean you're working you were there anyway you know what i mean because yeah. i'm sure like because even when you're in a gym environment and even if you're there as like the everyday joe who just wants to work out or whatever uh, as soon as you see like oh there's two three fighters in today and they're yeah. training with us you yeah. automatically go oh shit you yeah. know what i mean like your boss straights up you're like don't make any you know like mistakes <laughs> don't make- nothing like because these guys are fighters yeah. but i'm sure like you know with that kind of environment and with you at the helm i'm sure it's going to be like an amazing program and you're putting together a team right yeah um and um you're putting together fitness instructors and people who you want to sort of uh, get this certain kind of flow. I mean, you're obviously going to be dealing with clients uh, personally as well. Right. Uh, but just with regards to this team you're putting together, uh, how do you approach that? And what do you look for in a trainer? So just so we can get an idea of what kind of people are going to be teaching at Brave. Okay, so we're going to have um, we're going to have a variety of trainers. So, I mean, first there's, you know, the functional fitness, strength and conditioning and CrossFit kind of guys. Right. right? Now, what, I mean, the team that we're putting together, the team, you know, primarily that we, we have put together, my main thing was I don't, I'm not really concerned with if you have a certification or not. Right. I mean, if you do good, that's a plus. Yeah. I'm concerned with what your knowledge base is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when I got my certification, I probably knew 60% of it anyway. Yeah. Because right? yeah. you're, you're self educated. And some yeah. guys are like that. You yeah. know, I've seen guys in the field have been in, you know, been working as trainers for like 10, 12 years, don't yeah. have a damn certification to, you know, rely on. Yeah. But they know their shit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so with me, it was, you know, what I was primarily looking for. One, does the guy actually take an interest in his clients? You know, mm-hmm. is he passionate about making the person better or is he just, you know, making money? Because I'll see a lot of guys, you know, 15, 20 clients doing the same damn thing, not worried about form, you know, you're paying me the same amount, I don't really care. 
yeah. right? So one, that, that was, you know, instrumental. And then secondly, you know, I would prefer to have guys who were dedicated to the industry. Because a lot of times as a trainer in Pakistan, I'll get asked, oh, so what do you do otherwise? I'm like, this is what I do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a full-time gig. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it, granted, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people just do it part-time, but, you know, what's maybe your level of interest, your level of passion has to be there. So, you know, some of the guys that we've recruited, you know, they're young, want to actually dedicate their lives to the profession, are curious to learn, you know, the inquisitiveness to learn about, you know, a growing field, that's that's mandatory. Right. I mean, because a lot of guys, you know, they'll do a couple of certifications, they'll train a couple of clients, and then they just come to a stalwart. You know, they, they're not progressing because there's always something to learn. I mean, I learn every day. You know, I've been yeah. in the industry since I was 18, but, you know, I'm learning new things every day. You know, I'm not going to make my clients do freaking burpees and jumping jacks for the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to get bored doing that. You know, yeah. it's, it's redundant. It's monotonous. Yeah. So there's local trainers that we have recruited over here for that. Mm -hmm. And then we have guys coming in from abroad. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you have to pay with an arm and leg to keep them retained for the entire mm -hmm. time. So yeah. none of those guys are going to be permanent. Yeah. But, you know, on like, like we were talking about earlier, so we've got a guy coming in from Cuba for boxing, which yeah. I'll get a lot to learn from him as well yeah. because, you know, pro pro coach. Yeah. Uh, Plus uh, Cubans in boxing. Cuban boxing. Just yeah. South Americans God. in boxing altogether. Yeah, you know, just it's insane. It's a whole new level. Yeah. And uh, so we're, uh, we've got, uh, I could get the lady coming in from the UK for uh, CrossFit and Olympic lifting. Nice. Uh, then uh, a dude coming in from Dagestan for MMA and grappling. Mm -hmm. Some Thai dude, I don't know his name, but, name, but you know, as long as he's Thai. Muay <laughs> <laughs> Thai, got it. Yeah, he's yeah. just Thai. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, then even at the event and stuff, we're going to have like, you know, pro fighters coming in. We might have Nasit Hasperast from the UFC. All right. He's actually a friend of Omar's. Oh, cool. And uh, then we've got uh, Yasser Hirsch, who's also a, a friend of Omar's. Yeah. So, you know, so some of these guys are going to just be shuffled in. And the thing with that is it's not only they're coming in to train the clients. They're going to be coming in to train the coaches as well. Mm. I mean, I had, you know, one of the guys that we hired is like, you know, I've never taken combat sports, but I want to diversify. Right. You know, so what do I do for that? And I was yeah. like, dude, just join one of my classes. You know, yeah, we'll get perfect. you started off on that. And then when we have coaches come in, we all get to learn from them. Yeah. You know, then there's opportunities. I mean, they're talking about, some, you know, sending the trainers abroad to get certifications, to go for workshops. Mm. I mean, for example, there's uh, the fitness conference uh, in uh, fitness conference Asia. Yeah. Again. That's like a five day thing. Yeah. And it's like multiple certifications. I mean, Bosu balls, TRX, battle mm. ropes, mm. you know, the, the boot camp style training. Like, mm. there's such a wide array of which you can learn from. Yeah. So, you're, you know, you're spending an hour in one class, another hour in another, and, you know, you're coming back a completely different person. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if we have opportunities like that, if we, you know, we go to workshops like that and we're learning constantly, then that's the kind of service that you want to provide. Right. Because a gym doesn't thrive on the facility that it has no, you know no. regardless of if you get any gas facility or that you know yeah. something better might open up but yeah. if your team if your service isn't up to up to the mark you know yeah. it's not going to thrive rocky three taught me that rocky. when rocky went, went back to uh, the ghettos with uh, ah. apollo and it was just like a rundown gym exactly but he beat trouble lang i'm a big rocky fan in case you have <laughs> I, I, I grew up watching that shit <laughs> but the funny thing is 
there was no real boxing in Rocky until Rocky Three. Yeah, <laughs> that's also I mean, true. <laughs> it, it was big ass right, big ass right. Your turn, big ass right, big ass right. And the cameras is going, oh, the uh, blood spitting. Exactly. Sylvester goes, Whoa. yeah. Dude. The Creed series, though, that those are really well choreographed. Yeah, right? I, I like yeah, that. Those, those are good. And I saw some of the behind the scenes footage of uh, what's his name, Michael B. Jordan, taking that um, punches and like you know just. I, I think he actually took a few punches. Just I'm sure he did, man. Yeah. I mean, that looked legit because uh i mean even like setting up a choreographed scene for a movie you know you have to do a little bit of something yeah i mean i did a little bit piece uh for that movie that we had shaw yeah, yeah. and you know sparring with uh, not not sparring but you know getting that scene together i was like okay i'm not gonna hit you in the face but i will hit you on the body yeah. but not really hard mm -hmm. right and even that you know for somebody who hasn't been trained Ooh. to fight <laughs> it, it stings yeah so michael b jordan man like that guy's insane yeah but i have a question like you know this is something that a lot of uh MMA purist fans say, right, they can be a bunch of jerks anyway. But, like, you know, when Floyd Mayweather was thinking of coming over to the UFC mm. um, to do an MMA fight. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, Stupid. I, yeah, <laughs> that, that was a thing. Uh, but, you know, Floyd, he likes to flirt with people, people being like Floyd's all the world. Dick. Yeah, Floyd is a dick. <laughs> so he was like, you know, I'm going to come over in the octagon, it's my ring, and all. he said all of that. And then he did. He didn't come over, but he, yeah. he said he would. But then a lot of the MMA purist fans said, oh, dude, he wouldn't. He can't even take a leg kick. You know he I mean? probably wouldn't be able to. Does that, uh, you know, bother you as a boxer? I or mean, is that just the truth? Okay, so Bruce Lee said, okay, a guy who knows how to wrestle and a guy who knows how to box can take on any man in the world, right? Yeah. Now, you know, if you have a strong grappling background, you have yeah. a strong striking background. So, I mean... With Floyd, one, he's not used to getting kicked in the leg. There we go. Yeah. He's not used to sprawling to, you know, prevent the takedown. Yeah. <laughs> so that completely changes the damn game. Mm -hmm. I mean, he can throw as many punches as he likes, but if it goes to the ground, he's fucked. There we go. So, I mean, I do completely agree. Boxing is one-dimensional yeah. in that sense. But at the same time, try putting an MMA guy in a boxing ring. Mm. He won't last either. We saw that. Like, the, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing with that is, I mean, it's there's no... You know, there's no prejudice against it, obviously, but you know we're used to using just our arms, yeah. right? And MMA, yeah, you throw a couple punches, you tire out a little, could go to kicks. You know, yeah. you can't stand up for too long, take it to the ground. Yeah. You, know, you keep on diversifying. Not to say by any means that it's easy; it's far more taxing, I would say. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to restrict yourself to just those two limbs, it's a whole different ball game. Right. I mean, Conor McGregor looked like a freaking joke in that Floyd mm -hmm. fight. I Floyd, mean, I think Floyd carried him through that fight. Floyd didn't even train, from what I heard, the last two months he didn't even spar and yeah. it showed yeah he wasn't in top-notch shape he uh -huh. had his damn hands down the entire time yeah. and you know connor at best i think he looked like an amateur boxer yeah and you know he, he wow. talks all about you know i am boxing to be about struck to be isn't even a striker this hurts me to like talk because i'm a big connor fan like i I love that guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's the reason I started watching the sport. I understand. You don't have to explain it. He's a dick. I know. But he's, he's the reason I started watching. I can never not support him. But yeah, even I, when I saw that fight, uh, the first few rounds, I was like, oh, he's doing it. And then, like, round four, I was like, oh, no. no. I was like, what's happening? He this can is never. Not. Yeah, he can. He just can. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is, 
I mean, jumping between sports is obviously fun. And I think people can get to do that at, at the Brave facility that's right. opening because right. it's, like, it's class-based, right? Like right. you can just go and take a class mm-hmm. and then you can choose to take another class. Right. And with these uh, foreign instructors that you talked about coming in, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but even physical activity is learned through you know like repetitions but right. essentially it can still be taught just like anything else right, right sure. so it's like somebody coming in like a literally like a visiting faculty mm. dropping some wisdom and then leaving the thing is you've learned now right. so they've done some kind of benefit right. so this kind of system is actually really interesting and the mm. one thing you mentioned mentioned that was pretty interesting was um the lady from the uk who was mm. a power lifter power lifter yeah um there's not a lot of trend of women lifting heavy weights here it's there? begun it's begun uh-huh. though i mean yeah uh and so, like sorry to cut you off but like women often like what i've i've spoken to a few guys who are also into uh fitness on the podcast and generally what they say is that there's a misconception about why women can't lift heavy weights or can't do heavy exactly. lifting, right is that true I, see most girls tend to think you'll they'll lift weights and they'll turn mannish Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it takes a while for them to understand that it takes a shitload of food to become mannish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to eat insane. Like crazy. But yeah. um, get the, that, that whole lifting uh, get the concept with women is actually growing. I mean, I saw, so I freelance with Ironbox for like a year right now, this, right. Like this past year. Mm-hmm. And I was actually very pleasantly surprised. You know, you had a lot of girls lifting weights. I mean, this girl popped in like a 140 pound deadlift. Yeah. Um, I've seen a bunch of girls do over 100, uh, not 140 pounds or 140 kg. Yeah, kg. Yeah. That's even more. Yeah. <laughs> 140 pounds ain't much. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've seen a bunch of girls squat more than 100 kg. Wow. And I mean, uh, you get the, uh, it's gradually becoming a trend where girls are realizing get to lifting weights isn't going to turn us into the Hulk. Yeah. Right? It's basically just going to give us aesthetics. And this is what I try to explain to clients as well. It's not get developing muscle is going to make you big. It's just going to structure you better right. because your your natural body type is made such for that muscle to be enhanced and for it to give you better body. You might be 140 pounds and you might look like shit, but you might be 140 pounds with muscle and, you know, you'll have that bubble butt and you'll have, you know, yeah. a better hourglass shaped figure yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So girls are beginning to realize that more and more in Pakistan now. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually pretty cool. I mean, I remember when I went to Iron Box, uh, I'm with my trainer, Adria, mm-hmm. and she was lifting weights. She's doing your squats you're doing your deadlifts i'm just like you know at the expense of sounding like i may be hitting on you mm-hmm. it's amazing to see you lift <laughs> yeah. like that man yeah. honestly yeah. it's refreshing right because i haven't seen this in years yeah but yeah it's 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 uh it's getting better right that's awesome that. and iron box like how do you feel about them i mean you work with them but i mean they've got a good team uh they had a good team but um yeah, we, we've had some of our differences, but yeah. you know, it's, uh, I, I went to Iron Box when uh, I had my surgery. I basically had an ACDF. I've got four screws and two plates in my neck. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, after my boot camp, because, you know, like when I was running the boot camp, I kind of uh, had that surgery right towards the end. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was, you know, lost a bunch of money, kind of needed a place to work. So, you know, they really took me in. So I'll always be grateful for that. Yeah. And, you know, they were the first CrossFit affiliated uh, could get the, the place in Pakistan, right. which goes, you know, a lot of credit goes to that. And they mm-hmm. have created a really good culture yeah. for, you know, people lifting and, you know, appreciating CrossFit and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, every place has its pros and cons. Right. I really want to ask you as well, what's the 
what was the toughest or the craziest fight of your career? Uh, that had to be the semifinals of state championships the second time. Um, <clears throat> Ricardo Ramirez, he's a Mexican kid. Oh and no, he grew up Mexican <laughs> in a nah, boxing match. Man, that was that, that was insane. Uh, so basically what happened with that was four round fight because of the championship bout. And um, <clears throat> the first two rounds, he completely dominated me. Like completely dominated me to the point where I was out of breath. I was sure I was going to lose. And, you know, like I was down by points. I was down by morale. Yeah. My, my freaking insides hurt. I was tired. Mm -hmm. My legs were giving out. Mm -hmm. But what happened, like you, you literally get that second win sometimes, yeah. right? And after the second round, you know, my coach gave me this little pep talk. He's like, dude, you've worked your ass off to get here. And you've got, you still got two rounds to make this happen. He goes, so turn it around, turn it around. I mean, it was nothing like, you know, it was nothing instrumental that he said per se, but maybe just the way he said it, that it clicked. Yeah. Man, I went into that third round just bashing him up. Whoa. Like I took him against the ropes in the first minute, you know, hit him with a nice clean sternum shot, had him gasping for breath. And third round, like last minute, he got saved by the bell because I had hit him with that sternum shot and I cocked him with, a, with an overhand right and a hook to follow. Yeah. And I was sure he wasn't going to get up. He went to the knee, got right back up. Oh, man. But I took that by, I, I took that fight by like a couple points, yeah. and that was by far the most satisfying victory yeah. I ever. I mean, as every single component of a good boxing story, you had the first two rounds that you lost, <laughs> then you had your trainer yelling at you in right. the most like rocky ass manner again, and you get back up and right. da, 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 you I beat mean, his ass. That's I mean, perfect. I mean, the third round, the third round, I was completely dominating him. The fourth round, he was still coming back up. Like yeah. it, we were still going neck to neck. It wasn't complete domination. Damn. Like you know, he like that, that kid was so fast. Like every time I lean in for a jab, I get two to face. You know, every time oh I'd I'd set up a right, I get a hook. <laughs> so he was always like a step ahead of me in that yeah. case but you know it was i think mostly i got it for the ring generalship because i was never a boxer i would always i would always brawl yeah so, i mean i was always setting the pace but that particular fight i really had to improvise because he was coming at me harder than i usually would right so yeah i mean yeah well i just want to ask you right before we close off i mean the mma scene and the boxing scene mm -hmm. right and just the combat sports scene in general right um having being somebody who's just now entering uh, these domains and not do as a fighter not not mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. um just as more of i'd like to say participant observer somebody who likes to watch these things maybe An comment enthusiast. On yeah enthusiast let's yeah. call it that um i mean there's a lot of stuff that i see which is very good and encouraging positive signs green signals mm -hmm. but there's a lot of stuff also which are big question marks for me which right. make me go huh, you know, why can't things be different in this certain regard or whatever? Not right. like criticizing a nascent sport because that's just what it is. It's a nascent sport. But I still like to think about these things. As somebody who is a, I mean, consummate professional in the field, somebody who has been around in this country for long enough to understand the dynamics of it, and as somebody who is now, you know, literally heading a facility which is going to be teaching and training not just fighters, but people who are going to be surrounded by combat sports and fitness what would be one thing that you would definitely want to change in the pakistan mma or boxing scene um yet yeah, i think that kind of stems from pakistani mentality generally 
like Himari, as you know, a nation, a mentality here where you can't really see people progressing more than you, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of transpires into the, the you could get the combat sports industry as well, mm-hmm. where you'll see very rarely, you know, people kind of appreciating another man's accomplishment. You get, I mean, there's all this, you know, gyms ki aapas mein rivalry hogi, fighters ki aapas mein rivalry hogi. Theek hai, rivalry hoti hai. Lekin at the same time, when the other's doing well, encourage it, celebrate it, you know. I mean, I've seen a lot of, uh, I mean, it, it, to some extent, you know, it has changed and it has bettered over time, but there's this absolute level of hypocrisy there where, you know, they might make a post and say, oh, so-and-so fighter's doing well, and then they'll be talking shit about him, you know, behind his back. Yeah. But, you know, that, there has to be this, you know, there has to be a certain level of camaraderie and, you know, unity where, you know, you're working as a community, right. not as a gym, not right. as a fighter individually. Right. I mean, if you have, you know, like, even the even the little distinction between, you know, boxers and MMA fighters, you know, a lot of boxers will talk shit about MMA fighters and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's such a small community to begin with yeah. that if you have all these conflicts and, you know, these uh, divulgences between, between one another, you're not going to grow. No, no. I mean, how can you expect, you know, federations or the government for that matter or anybody to support you when you yourself are not unified? Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, if, I think if that changes and if we kind of, you know, support each other as a community, yeah. that could, you know, make a colossal difference probably. That's, that's really interesting because you always go towards, you know, arguments of, well, the state's not doing enough and definitely isn't, right? Um, I mean, I wouldn't expect jack shit from the state. There anymore, we go, right? yeah. I mean, you, you can say the state's not doing enough. You yeah. can say opportunities aren't there. But I guess if you really want to do make change in the combat sports scene, I guess one takeaway is here, mm-hmm. look at yourself in the mirror. Um, see if you are somebody who actually wants the scene to grow, whether you want yourself to grow. Exactly. Everybody's looking for the limelight. That's the thing. Now. Yeah. I mean, something good happens, you want to be at the forefront. It was me. Yeah. You know, I did this. Yeah. No, dude, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happened for everyone's betterment and celebrate that. Yeah. You know, don't just kind of blow your own horn all the time. Yeah. I guess this country needs a massive ego death. Yeah. Um, Asman, thank you so much for coming on. Um, for as me. somebody who wants to talk to the combat sports uh, athletes and, you know, the legend so to speak of the mma scene uh two-time illinois st- state boxing champion one-time golden gloves winner dude th- this is pretty cool so <laughs> thank you so much thank i'm you, honored thank me, and thanks for coming on Likewise. dude all right guys uh please hit that subscribe button stay tuned like the video share the video do whatever the fuck you want just do something right <laughs> just don't just sit there don't watch me right press something click it like it subscribe it you know how this outros are they're always weird keep it tight stay tuned you good?